0: Both products are available now at Advanced Auto Parts, AutoZone, and select Walmart locations. Visit 303radio.com for more information. Every search you make, every click you take, they'll be watching you.
1: Are you tired of being tracked online? There's a simple solution. DuckDuckGo. It's an all-in-one privacy app with a built-in private search engine, web browser, one-click data clearing, email protection, and more. All for free. Download the app today and get the most comprehensive privacy protection with the push of a button. DuckDuckGo. Privacy simplified. Bradfo Show. That's my open? That's what they used to call me. Swivel hit Bradford. That's my open. I'm okay. waiting for you to so justify what? your stupid opinion. Bradfo Show. That's delicious. All right, well... I am honored to have Brian Bannister on with me right now. And there isn't a better person who I would rather have on with me. And I'm not just saying that because we're sitting in the luxurious Four Seasons Hotel. And 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 not, I'm not only saying that because it's always interesting when I talk to Brian. But I'm also saying that because the draft is here. I think the draft has changed a lot. And, and this is, I'm glad Brian's here to talk to me about it because I think that you sort of are at the forefront of this. Just I guess in a nutshell, when you look at the draft and you look at these players, be first when you're looking at them to, to draft them and then looking to develop them even 2 or 3 years ago, has it changed exponentially?
2: Yeah, you know, I, I joke that even though I'm on the pitching side, I'd always rather take a position player because I think uh you're more likely to hit on position players uh, because they can use their athleticism, you know, their run tool, their hit tool, you know, good arm, good defense, you know, they, they can become um, any type of role player on a major league team. Pitchers are very unique in that there's usually only a couple arms in each draft that actually have all the characteristics that check all the boxes. that can become a starting pitcher. And so there's really not enough of a supply of good arms to go around to all 30 teams. There just isn't. It's, it's a fact of the nature of pitching because when you start getting into it, it's not about just command or just repeating. It's about the angles and the movement the pitchers are able to create with their arms, and starters are able to do everything. The guys that last 10, 15 years in the big leagues – do everything and do them all well. And most pitchers' bodies just can't do that. And so most of the time with most amateur kids you're looking at, you, you acknowledge there's flaws or deficiencies or movements that aren't ideal. And I think every team tries to develop pitchers as starters. But I think teams, as they've gotten more information, started to understand under the hood with all the data, what actually makes pitchers uh, viable at the major league level teams have been faster to flip guys into the bullpen um, Mm -hmm. bump up their velocity a little bit and at least turn them into something usable at the major league level instead of struggling for years to make a guy a starter Uh, but I think everybody still especially with their higher picks tries to make guys starters but the reality is if you're a winning ball club year after year it's really hard to get an arm that can do everything because they're finite and there's not enough to go around. So when did it
1: change? When did it change from the example that I gave? Is The, the teams are going to spend a lot of money for, let's say, a first-round pick or even you a know, high-round draft pick and say, we're spending a lot of money with him because we like his arm and we think that arm will develop enough to become, like you said, a starting pitcher in the Major Leagues. But now it's much more complicated than that. When did it change and how Major League Baseball viewed pitching when when it comes to the draft?
2: You know, what's what's interesting is that developing pitchers is a little bit of an awkward term because there's actually things about pitchers we can't develop you know the the way their bodies are put together the the range of movement in their shoulder the way that their arms snap straight at at the release point uh, those are fundamental things that are almost genetic qualities about pitchers that we we don't change on the development side um, so there's certain pitches that a pitcher throws particularly their fastball that there's very little opportunity for us on the development side to change how a pitcher's fastball moves. Uh, that's a very genetic quality to how a pitcher's body is put together. And, um, you know, sometimes they might flip to a two-seamer or flip to a four-seamer, but usually that's the hardest thing to change is is a pitcher's fastball. And so, really, when we talk about development, um, you know, the, the guy you draft or the guy you acquire in the international market, uh, a lot of things they do is what they're always going to do. They're always going to have a compensation movement in their delivery or their body lacks some amount of range of motion, and so they can't get to the ideal position that they should be able to to throw the best fastball possible. So a lot of what we do on the development side is work with all the other pitches that actually can be developed. And so uh, you know, the the quality of the changeup, the purity of the slider – You know, add a split finger down the road. uh, Work on the pitch mix. Work on the sequencing of pitches. A lot of that is where development actually has an impact. You know, you can you can get a guy to throw harder by using his body and turning more efficiently. But when you get back to the actual movement of the fastball, uh, there's a lot of things that are pretty much set in stone. And so, what's hard is you look at all these amateurs available in the draft. And there's only a couple that actually make their fastball move like the elite pitchers in the major leagues that last for a long time, and so I think as teams have gotten smarter, um, they're just quicker to put guys in the bullpen. They're quicker to make adjustments uh, with the pitchers and their systems that with things they know they can change. Um, you know, you're you're still trying to create that perfect starting pitcher. Uh, but a lot of times you fall short because uh, there's just something about the way his body moves mm-hmm. or the way his body's put together that prevents him from creating that quality that misses bats consistently. You know, the the guy that
1: I think a perfect example of sort of what you're talking about, and what I also want to continue to talk about is the first round pick from last year, Tanner Houck. So Tanner Houck was a guy, uh, Missouri first round pick. Um, Good arm, big guy, everything else. But um, as you explained to me, I think in spring training, this was a perfect example of what we're talking about, how things have changed, where big guy, throws hard, all right, go get him before. Now it's we're going to sort of we see the qualities that we can implement with you. We're going to sort of break you down, build you back up, a lot of the things that you're talking about with the, the non-fastball pitches. Um, so talk a little bit, I guess, using Tanner as that example of how he, he maybe is the perfect uh, perfect example of a guy that how we look at first round picks now.
2: Yeah, you know, Tanner's big body, good arm. Um, you know, the way that he pitched at Missouri... Uh, rotational delivery, primarily a two-seamer, primarily a slider, would show an occasional changeup. Um, you know, the, the movement on his pitches, to give you a comparison to somebody you recognize, is, is a lot like Carson Smith. So, you know, good sinker, uh, sweeping slider, and um, you know, on the pitch data side, there's a lot of similarities there. And so, you know, you see a lot of those guys around the major leagues, and a lot of them are successful leverage relievers. Um, you know they, they abuse their sliders. You know a Steve Cishek, a Pat Neshek. You know there's there's lots of guys that have a lot of those characteristics with their fastball and their slider, and, and they're very successful big leaguers. Um, and so you you see you know a lot of the starting pitchers that end up having success uh, from a low slot delivery, and it's it's a Max Scherzer type, it's a Pedro Martinez type. You know that that's the high upside. The, the guys with the low slot. That are able to uh, power a four seam fastball, for example. So, with any pitcher, you're looking to develop the optimal form of himself. You know, his body does certain things, and you're looking to get the most out of that. And so, you know, I think. In the past, in the in development, you would let a guy just pitch for a couple years and kind of see what he turns into. You'd work on refining his command with his fastball, uh, repeating his delivery, you know, staying back on the rubber—all the cliches. Uh, but I think now, as we're able to compare apples and apples directly between amateur players and, and major league pitchers, um, you're able to see what the similarities are, what the differences, and I think you have to be willing. To take risks, even if they're just short-term risks, to see what pitchers are capable of doing. Uh, if they can get to a more optimal version of themselves, you know, can they develop a better curveball? Can they develop a better slider? You know, is their changeup grip ideal? Uh, can they throw a wipeout splitter? And so these are some of the things. We're not we're not trying to develop pitchers that get to Fenway and. You know, they, they need a year to figure it out up there. We're trying to develop pitchers with wipeout stuff so that by the time they get to Fenway, they're going to succeed once they're there because we, we play in a market where we don't tolerate failure. We expect to win every year. Uh, we don't have the luxury of a small market team who's in a down cycle or rebuilding or tanking or whatever the term you want to use is where they can throw some young pitchers out on the, on the mound and let them fail for a couple of years and figure it out and then pitch successfully for the next three or four years while they still have control over them uh you know one of the challenges of our market is if we're going to put a homegrown pitcher into our onto our pitching staff we want them to succeed right away and that's that's a challenge for any young pitcher um just with the the expectations and, and what our goals are every year so uh we do face unique challenges and so we've uh, talked about a lot of different ways that we can uh, do things to help our young guys be prepared to make their secondary pitches better, uh, to find that right mix of pitches. And um, when, you, when you talk about fastballs, there's risks that a pitcher can't do it. And so we always uh, are very objective when it comes to it. If a pitcher is trying something new and not succeeding, then you know, it, it's highly likely his body can't do it. Uh, so with Houck, going
1: back to Tanner, I remember in, in spring training, he developed a curveball. This was changed, you know, the, his, uh, he changed his arm slot, but it really changed his, his whole body angle. He developed a curveball. So, like, like you're talking about, that was taking a little bit of a risk. That was taking a little bit of a gamble, and you had to be patient. I don't know where it stands with that, but that's sort of what you're talking about. Like, we're going to break it down, and it's a little bit of a risk but we think for the long term this is going to pay off because we do want you to be in your best position by the time that you are ready to get to the major leagues.
2: Yeah, so he worked, uh, having gone to Missouri, he worked with a, a guy by the name of Brian, uh, I think it's DeLunis. He's now the bullpen coach of the Seattle Mariners. Mm-hmm. So he runs a facility outside St. Louis called P3. And, um, you know, they have access to things like Soto, which is a... a pitch data capturing device Um, so he got a little exposure there before Brian was uh, hired by the Mariners this offseason to be their bullpen coach so he he wanted to throw a knuckle curve and and worked on it there Uh, but you look at his current mix and you know kind of explaining where his performance is today you know four out of five pitches he's throwing right now you know four seamers and, and knuckle curve balls are pitches that he has never thrown before, so he's he's out there uh, competing with pitches that he doesn't have a lot of experience with, and you know with that comes some uncertainty. You get into you know a leverage situation in a game, and there's not a lot of history with a pitch. Uh, so he's put a ton of work in. He's one of the best kids I've ever been around. Um, he works harder than anybody I've ever seen. Um, you know, he's got the aptitude for pitching. Uh, but when you look at it, he threw 80 to 90% sinkers and sliders in college. And a year later, he's thrown 80 to 90% four seamers and knuckle curveballs. And so there's, there's going to be volatility in his performance, uh, because he's trying something new and it's with the goal of creating higher upside for himself. Um, but we're also very objective. You know, if it's something that doesn't work for his body, we're not going to force him to do it. And so there's a collaborative process there and, you know, seeing if he can get to the positions in his mechanics where he can repeat a forcing fastball with life and carry, uh, and throw a curveball for a strike with depth. And, you know, if if those are things that, uh, he can't accomplish after a certain amount of time, we, we know he can throw the sinker and slider. Um, I think in everybody's mind, there was a little more upside if he was uh, capable of throwing the four-seam knuckle curve. Mm -hmm. Um, But the kid's got tremendous talent. Uh, does have tremendous upside, and it's it's been fun to watch him go through the process. Uh, but we're also constantly evaluating, you know, what's best for him and and where that sweet spot is with regards to what pitches he's throwing and what his mix is. But it's it's amazing because we're talking about changes where
1: it's not even a year out from the guy being drafted in the first round. And this is sort of what I come back to the initial conversation. Okay. Normally, all the things that you're talking about would have been after, oh, four years, it's not really working out, let's figure out something else, let's change arm angle, let's do this, let's do that. I mean, this process started almost immediately after the guy was drafted, which is, which I, I, five years ago would be insane.
2: Yeah, you know, he's still throwing the two-seamer, um, you know, and the knuckle curveball was something he wanted to do, because uh, he liked the pitch, um, so... We know, we know what his body already can do, and it's, um, you know, seeing what else he's capable of throwing. Um, but he's, he's a good athlete and a tremendous worker, and, you know, it, it's been fun to watch him go through the process.
1: When you looked at when, you, first of all, when when we talk about the draft, you're with a team right now. What is what is sort of your role when when it comes to the draft? Do they run by guys by you? Do they? What what are you what are
2: you doing as the draft is amping up here? You know, with, with my obligations at the major league level, um, I've been able to do less and less uh, with the draft and on the minor league side. Um, in the last year or so just because we have such a good team on the field at the major league level and trying to make sure that we're winning every ball game we can up there Um, and I we've also added more people on the minor league side and in the analytics department to help out with those topics Um, so we have some really good people giving feedback and building out infrastructure with regards to the draft so uh, you know I get I get copies of the information, uh, but compared to two years ago, I'm much less involved than I used to be. When you go back to
1: um, the conversation, I remember Dave saying this a few years ago because the conversation was the Red Sox hadn't developed pitching, and uh, the, they were. Gonna, and he was honest about it. He's like, we had a long meeting at the winter meetings about what we're going to do to change things and do this and do that. Um, there's a lot of upside in this system right now, but uh, you touched a little bit on the uh, how you want to make sure guys are ready, I mean, ready to go when it comes to the major leagues. What are some of the other things? When that conversation was being had a few years ago, what are some other things that you felt like you could, you guys could tweak to sort of change the narrative? Because the the you know this is a results business, right? Like Clay Buckle's is the last de- the developed guy who went on to be an all-star what are some of the things that you guys have altered in this respect you know
2: one of the classic phrases thrown around around the game is that you know young position players and veteran pitchers uh, and it, it said that for a reason and you, you look at recent uh, World Series clubs you um, You know, you look at the Cubs, you know, homegrown core of position players, and they acquired their pitching. You look at the Astros right now, you know, young position players, and Garrett Cole, Justin Verlander, Charlie Morton, they acquired. Mm -hmm. This this is a common theme throughout the game, and it goes back to the fact that there's very few truly elite arms in any draft class, and there's not enough for all 30 teams, No, no matter what you try and do there's not enough arms to go around and so um, teams have tended historically to hit more on their position players and build up a greater supply of them at their core and then been able to finally acquire those arms um, that have all the characteristics that allow them to be ones or twos in the big leagues Um, when you know, Maybe they were a winning ball club and they were all gone by the time you know they picked at the end of the first round uh, at their draft position in, in previous years. So I think every team identifies premium arms. I don't think every team has access to them for various reasons in any given year. Um, and so the concept of development, I think a lot of the high upside arms, if you're not picking at the top of the first round, come when you take calculated risks with the high school kids um you know you see a lot of high-end pitchers come from the beginning of the second round where a team was willing to take a risk on a higher upside kid and and the road that process is a lot longer um, and there's more risk but i think that's when you see um a lot of the pitchers that would eventually become a top-of-the-first-round pick in college. Bloom and and teams just hit on it, but a lot of teams fail at that too. Uh, so there is more risk. Um, so I think it's, it's a tough process to draft pitchers, and it's not always the fault of the development staff because there's only so many variables that you can tweak with pitchers. Um, and if you don't acquire them in the first place... You, you never fully get them to a very high level that I think people expect. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you can't make magic from something that's not there. Mm-hmm. Um, a pitcher's body can, can only do so many things with the, the way their arm works and the way their, their legs work. Uh, and so you're, you're trying to do the best you can, but that's why you know, a lot of teams view the safer pick as the position player, mm-hmm. uh, but why we never give up and we try and find diamonds in the rough later in the draft. That we think we can develop with those characteristics. Uh, so it's it's an interesting combination on the pitching side because pitching development is the hardest thing because there's a lot of characteristics you can't change on the development side, whereas you can on the hitting side. The, why you know the,
1: I mentioned Clay Buckholtz, but you know one thing that should be pointed out is another thing that you have a hand in, which is. Making the most out of guys, making the most out of minor leaguers, and maybe they're late-round guys, but making the most out of them to the point where other organizations view them in a light where maybe they didn't view them coming out of the draft, and that has been a tremendously important Thing I, I would imagine when we're talking about some of these major league trades, and just talk a little bit about sort of how you view that, how the importance of 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 that aspect of things when it comes to a, an organization as a whole, and certainly with your role.
2: You know, my the second half of my title is is pitcher development. Um, my primary focus throughout the organization and and where I spend the majority of my time is on the concept of pitch quality. And it's really, you know, what does a perfect fastball look like? What does a perfect slider look like? A perfect curveball, a perfect changeup. So then what are the physical requirements that a pitcher has to have and, and the movements he has to do in order to create those close to perfect pitches? Mm-hmm. Um, and so you see pitchers around the game that pitch uh, at the top of the league. And their bodies do things that allow them to create that pitch quality. And it's not just velocity. It's not just spin rate. It's the angles they create. It's the spin axis on the ball. Um, it's, it's the movements they have to make with their body. And there's so many limitations with most pitchers that they can't ever get to that level no matter what you try and do. Uh, but my focus mainly is identifying areas where pitchers are not pitching at their ceiling there's something that could be optimized about them they could be throwing this pitch more often they could have a different spin axis on their slider um you know throwing a different fastball would be more effective more often Uh, they can make give more depth on their changeup or their splitter and so i i stay in that realm most of the time and most of my analysis and research and commentary deals with that Um, and then the other area where i spend a lot of time is in now capturing high speed video on players uh, looking at their track man data um, using other resources to identify when they're not pitching successfully what are they doing different Is, is their body moving differently is their arm slot different um, how is their hand coming through the ball? Mm-hmm. So a lot of a lot of what I do is optimization-based, and it, it's primarily with the major league team. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it, it does cross down into the minor leagues. Um, but it's a lot of it is coming up with the ideas and doing the research to figure out a lot, to, to just understand a lot of these concepts a lot more. Because mm-hmm. um, we've come so far, and with the league the way it is and all the information, You have to constantly try to stay one step ahead. So my goal, you know, every day I check where we are relative to the rest of the league on the pitching side of things and, you know, watch what the other teams are doing uh, with their pitchers, how they're pitching, how the hitters are reacting, do a lot of research on the hitting side of things. Um, So it's a lot of idea generation uh, is where I contribute. Last, and that leads me to
1: my last question, which is, what is the – you just mentioned you know, a lot of different things, a lot of different things, how we are viewing um, the evolution of, of analyzing pictures. What is the next thing that excites you? What is the next thing that – is is out there, or is being developed? That said, this is going to allow me to look at pitchers in a way that maybe I haven't been able to look at it before. Because there's always we we look at analytics in baseball, and you know like the de- outfield defense. or are to Zach Scott. He said outfield defense analytics has grown over the last year exponentially. So pitching wise, is there anything out there like, oh my God, this is this is on the cusp, and this
2: could actually be show us something that maybe we didn't see before you know we we've had trackman well we we started with pitch effects in 2007 and we've had trackman since 2012 um so i've gone down that rabbit hole you know as far as i can go and i i still spend every day looking at it uh but now we're getting much more resources to actually study the body itself and and how pitchers move with the high-speed cameras and you, know, you get to see up close how the ball comes off the fingertips and you know, whether it's a pitcher's grip that's, that's uh, suboptimal or uh, there's something that his arm is doing or not doing that is affecting his pitches. I, I think the next wave is just learning more about what mechanics actually are and why bodies move the way they do. Um, and, and really, it's, it's all on a predictive level. So the, the better you can identify it, the more you can watch that next high school kid with a lot of upside or uh, who's not throwing a certain pitch and, and know that his body can do it and and know that down the road he's going to throw it at an elite level. Uh, so it's really understanding the body because we, we've talked about mechanics forever. We now have over a decade of pitch data, uh, but we still don't truly understand what happens in a game setting, you know, there's biomechanical labs out there that put the markers on guys, but but that's not a game setting under game stress. And now we're starting to learn a lot more about what pitchers are doing with their bodies in, in competition, and uh, and what they're uh, what they're not capable of, and what they're
1: capable of. I would like you to break down my performance in the media game. That is if <laughs> nothing else, that is that is my goal in life. I want the track man, I want the I want the biomechanics. Me- I want I want the whole ball of wax because yes. th- that is going to set. Uh, I, I feel like I have good leg drive. This is like if Tom Seaver. You know, this is like, this is sort of my 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 um, I guess. My role model, the Tom Seaver model of putting the knee pad on the back leg and dragging through. So please do that.
2: Yeah, we'll get some high-speed video of you and uh, let the Internet
1: enjoy it. (laughs) Please do. All right, Brian, thanks so much. It's been a lot of fun. Glad to be here. Thank
2: you.
0: Keep your car looking its absolute best year-round with 303 Cleaners and Protectants. 303's revolutionary graphene nanospray coating gives you professional protection in a simple, easy-to-use formula. It will keep your car's paint protected for up to 12 months and give an insane level of depth and gloss. Both products are available now at Advanced Auto Parts, AutoZone, and select Walmart locations. Visit 303radio.com for more information. Surgeons keep our hearts beating. They do the amazing. Help save lives. And so can you. Your CSL Plasma donation can help create 24 critical life-saving medicines that can give Grandpa the chance for his heart to swell when he meets his new grandson or give a bride the chance for her heart to skip a beat on her wedding day. Every Plasma donation helps more than you know. Do the amazing. Help save lives. Donate today at your local CSL Plasma Center and be rewarded for your time. Every search you make, every click you take, they'll
1: be watching you. Tired of companies like Google and Facebook watching everything you do online? There's actually a simple solution DuckDuckGo. It's an all in one privacy app with a built in private search engine, web browser, one click data clearing, email protection, and more. All for free. Download the app today and get the most comprehensive privacy protection with a push of a button. DuckDuckGo. Privacy simplified.